This is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 21, The Reboot, recorded on February 18th, 2015. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. This is sort of a little reboot with uh, me, your host, Matt Lyons, managing editor, managing editor of Let's Go Tribe, and former managing editor of Let's Go Tribe, and still frequent lighter, Jason Lucart. All right, let's do this, Matt. <laughs> Let's get let's talk tribe going again. Ooh, so the last time I think you did this was May 2014. So we're going almost up on two years since the last episode, and we're gonna try to do it weekly. I think uh, this one's recorded on Thursday. We're gonna probably keep that up, and they'll be going up on Friday mornings because that's hopefully gonna be in between. Like you said, when we were planning it, it'll be the travel day. So we're going to start a new series. So the goal is to hopefully get a guest from, like if we're playing the Royals, we'll get some Royals blogger on, hopefully, and just random guests throughout the year. And when we get that Royals guest on, we're going to give them hell. Oh, yeah, of course. We're going to randomly disconnect him and mute him. He's not going to know what's going on. <laughs> we're going to record every second of it. So, yeah, are you glad to be doing it again? I am. It, uh... It was a lot of fun, and then it's one of those things like you, you get away from doing something, and I would not have guessed it had been two years. <laughs> yeah, last one was May. You and Ryan were talking about – actually, it was a losing streak, so that's a good – I guess you just got sick of losing and talking about it, so you just kind of quit. <laughs> and yeah, it'll mostly be me and you, or it'll be us with a guest or us with somebody else from the staff maybe. So, but yeah, mostly weekly. So do you want to get right into the Indians? Let's get right into the Indians. Let's awesome. do that. So what do you think with the offseason coming to an end, even though there's still a bunch of free agents out there, what are your thoughts on their offseason so far? Uh, it's been fine. <laughs> um, I don't know how anyone could get too excited about the offseason for the Indians. Um, mm -hmm. But it was probably never realistic to think it was going to be a particularly exciting offseason. I think that the thing to remember is that the Indians were playing really well in the second half last year. Um, they've got uh, a really great looking starting rotation and, uh, you know, the lineup we'll see. They're a really young team. I don't think people realize that, but they're the youngest team in the division. So I don't feel like they needed huge improvements, but it's tough going through a long offseason watching rumor after rumor and move after move and just none of it has to do with the Indians. Yep. Um, so fine. <laughs> that, that, that's going to be my word for the offseason. How about you? Yeah, that's about the only way to put it. It's not fine. It's fine. <laughs> and I don't know I don't know if I'd call it love, but I really, really like the Mike Napoli signing. Yeah, it's... of the moves they made, I like that one a lot more. Yeah. Raj Davis doesn't do a lot for me. Um, <laughs> Napoli, at least, I feel like has has some upside. Yeah, and he's like not a direct upgrade over Carlos Santana, but what he allows Terry Francona to do and the defense to do is going to help out a lot because, first of all, he's going to be better on defense than Santana. And he would be... I mean, he's not an upgrade offensively at all, but it'll let Santana be DH, and then whatever revolving door they were going to have at DH, Santana's an upgrade over that. Right. So just kind of domino effect of upgrades, which is yeah. kind of what the Indians have to do since they don't have just an Upton money to spend. Yeah, and it's a one-year deal, um, so there's not a lot of risk involved. I feel like the front office sort of imagines that Bradley Zimmer is going to be ready fairly early next year. So I feel like... For better or for worse, they were sort of in a not wanting to commit to anything long-term, even if the money was there. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, there's not really any risk to it. Uh, you know, not real exciting, but <laughs> he like like we seem to agree, he has a lot of upside. Oh, yeah. And, you know, if he rebounds even halfway between his 2015 and his 2014, uh, he's going to be a bargain, and he'll be one of the two or three best hitters on the team. Oh, yeah, and if he gets to those CODA projections, which we'll talk about later, it's going to be... 
an insane amount for seven million. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the, to me, the interesting thing about him is he's a lot like Carlos Santana as a hitter, mm-hmm. and Indians fans hate <laughs> Carlos Santana as a hitter. Um, but Napoli's similar, you know, not much batting average, um, but he he walks and he's got power. Um, you know, in theory, you know, that's two players. I love Carlos Santana. He had a, a rough year last year, but I'm continue to be a big defender of his and a big fan of his. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, adding another hitter like that uh, is potentially really exciting. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see if they're both batting like 230, even if they're walking a lot and hitting, you know, 20, 25 home runs. Um, if people hate Mike Napoli <laughs> as much as they hate Carlos Santana. I wouldn't be surprised at all. <laughs> that's what he's going to do. He, he walks a little bit less than Santana and not quite the power. So, I mean, it's the same thing, but people are going to hate him even more. <laughs> but he's going to be fine. He's going to be one of the better hit- better hitters on the Indians. But it won't matter. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I can't get too worked up about Indians fans hating <laughs> someone I think is good. Like... Yeah. And then, so, like you said, Rajai Davis. I kind of liked it at first until I looked in. I kind of dug in a little more, and I'm not thrilled about it. I think he'd be a good leadoff or maybe second hitter and just once in a while covering center and maybe filling in for Brantley while he's out, but... Not that exciting of a signing. Yeah, I mean, with Brantley out, and we don't know for how long, um, like, I get there's outfield uncertainty. Davis coming in just feels like throwing another really shaky option into the mix. And I know that the more shaky options you have, the better the chances are that one of them works out pretty well. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yeah, I don't know. I just have a hard – he's, you know, 35, so he's well past his prime. His numbers dropped off a lot last year. Um, you know, I think he, he playing him against lefties seems fine. Um, but against righties, I don't think he's going to get on base. You know, I don't, I don't think I'll have even a 300 on base percentage and his defense used to be pretty good, but isn't really much anymore. His base running used to be really good, but isn't much anymore. Uh, and it's tough to carry a, a sub 300 on base percentage in the lineup unless they're doing something else really, really well. Yeah, and um, that whole throwing stuff at a wall and hoping it sticks, that was kind of the whole Indians offseason plan. And I guess he fits into that, but they also got a bunch of other outfielders that kind of do the same thing for a lot cheaper, like Colin Cowgill, who else was it, Joey Butler. Yeah. And a few others that do the same exact thing for almost nothing. Right. So that exactly. one, I would have rather, I wanted him to go after either Dexter Fowler or Austin Jackson. I know they didn't want to give up a draft pick for Fowler, but I would have liked, I don't know, he hasn't signed anywhere yet, has he, I don't think. Fowler? No, he still hasn't. I think Baltimore is rumored to be working on like a two-year deal with him, but it, ha- it hasn't happened at this point. I guess that might be a little turnoff for him. If you, like you said, if they think Zimmer's coming and then maybe Frazier the year after that, maybe they don't want to go for two years, but he could have been a big enough upgrade in center field. I think he would have been worth it. Yeah, he's, I think he's a good player. Uh, he's one of those guys who definitely got burned by baseball's rules with you know the, the compensation pick for the qualifying offer. I have to think that's getting changed in the next collective bargaining agreement because every year there's three or four good free agents whose market just completely falls apart because of that. Oh yeah. There's, there's a ridiculous amount this year. Yeah. So I have to think that'll change, but in, that's not going to do him any good this off season. <laughs> so he'll sign, but he's got to be pretty disappointed in what he's going to get. And I agree. He would have been a big upgrade. Uh, I don't know about giving up the draft pick either. Um, but you know, I think with, with what, the Indians could do this season, you know, there's a case to be made that it's worth giving up some, some future gains to, to improve the 2016 team. So not really exciting, but I would say, I mean, altogether it's not exciting, but the fact that they have so many bullpen arms is a little exciting just because I like either 
Stamina or Hunter when both of them are healthy or one of the million other they signed to stick. So um, Hunter and Stamen, they're both, neither of them are going to be ready right out of spring training. But Stamen, that's, yeah, Stamen, if he gets on the roster out of the spring training, he'll be a $2 million deal. And then Hunter is a $2 million deal. And the other, what, six or so they signed, those are all non roster invites. Right. Including your favorite, Joba Chamberlain, who's obviously <laughs> going to make it. <laughs> Justin Chamberlain. Yeah, I mean, yeah. in terms of you know coming back to the idea of just throwing things on the wall and seeing what mm-hmm. sticks, I'm delighted to have the Indians build their bullpen that way. The, the, the last thing I want the Indians to do is to go out and spend $25, 30000000 million to sign a reliever to you know, a two-, three-year deal. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm happy with between the guys who are coming back and you know guys who are coming in, I feel like the bullpen can be solid. The only way I would have liked it better is, I've said this in text a few times, but now I could actually say it out loud, is that I wish they would have kept Kirby Yates. I was really excited when they got him, when I looked into it more. It looks like he's going to be an easy bounce-back candidate, coming back from, like, what, 13 ERA, and they got him for next to nothing, and they let him go. Right. And he went to the Yankees, which is even worse. But <laughs> <laughs> I think he's going to be pretty good. I mean... For throwing something at a wall kind of good. Right. Yeah. No, I agree. He would have been like another good name to have on that list. Yep. Um, yeah. The, the, for me, the bullpen's not a concern. Uh, we can get into the starting rotation a little bit when we talk about what, what to watch for in spring training. Um, yeah. Th- there's a ton of question marks, but I feel like that's almost every team. Mm. Um, there aren't a lot of teams where you, you look at their roster and you go, oh, yeah, this is the lineup and everyone's solid. And this is the ro-. like that team just doesn't really exist. Um, <laughs> and I think because fans are so focused on their own team, you obsess over your own team's question marks without really recognizing a lot of times that, that you're not really in that different a position than fans of whatever team you're worried about. Mm-hmm. So is there anybody you really wish they would have went after that they haven't even, well, I guess you can count that they tried, but is there anybody I, you want I, them to get this still out there? I've liked Justin Upton for a long time. I knew they weren't going to go after him. <laughs> Seeing him sign with Detroit for what I think was a great deal for the Tigers. Um, mm-hmm. He's going to opt out. I mean, I, there's obviously the risk that he suffers a really serious injury and then Detroit's on the hook for a ton of money. Mm-hmm. But Short of that, he's going to opt out. And so basically they've signed him to like a two-year, $45 million deal. Um, and I would have been thrilled with the Indians signing him to a two-year, $45 million deal. And of course. probably would have been okay with the risk that he does suffer. And who knows if he would have taken that contract from the Indians. The Indians were on his no-trade list, which to me does not mean he wouldn't have signed here. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I'm not, I never thought he was going to um, – but for me, in terms of, you know, you look at what they're paying Napoli and Davis and some of the other guys, $22 million for next year isn't that much more. Um, but I know part of that is just the, ooh, something shiny, you know, would have been, <laughs> instead of using fine, it would be, ooh, Justin Upton. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the rest doesn't matter. You got Justin Upton. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, if you um, went into this offseason open for Justin you Upton, you're probably disappointed. <laughs> season for having been so excited about him and it's always fun to get yelled at a lot (laughs) yeah of course and the two that i wanted is mainly because i'm a quote-unquote giovanni urshela hater but i wanted wanya reberry david freeze are both still out there yeah i said i wanted freeze like the day free agency happened it could still happen you still get your big wish (laughs) that's my big wish wanya rebay come on yeah and i mean something like that makes sense too uh third base feels shaky uh, the outfield feels shaky. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, there's a lot of talk about should the Indians have traded for Todd Frazier. I feel like the Reds didn't get much for him. But when the Reds were talking with the Indians, it feels like they were asking for a lot more. Oh, yeah, they were asking for, at least according to what people said, was Clint Frazier and Bradley Zimmer both, and they were stuck on that. Yeah, or one of them in Justice. It was just like a, it was just weird. It was a crazy amount. Were they just asking every team for really good prospects, and then when everyone said no, they (laughs) called the White Sox back, and were like, all right, we'll take your crummy offer. (laughs) Lucky White Sox. Yeah, no, good for them. for us, yeah. Um, So, that's about everything for the offseason. I mean, it hasn't been that exciting. The most thing on everybody's mind, I'm sure, is Michael Brantley. Regardless of what they do, is if he's coming back healthy and a mental return. Especially when Peter Gaiman sort of scared everybody there at the beginning of the winter meetings. But it got a little better then. If nobody remembers, he said, must have been on the first day of winter meetings, he said that there was some kind of problem with Michael Brantley's return, and he would be back... Or the um, no, the operation was more complicated than they thought, and he wouldn't be back until August. Which I mean, if you're an Indians fan, that was kind of terrifying. And then right away, the Indians refuted it, and they said, "No, he's going to be back on our timetable." And they've kind of stuck with that ever since. And he's back in spring training now. He's hitting again. I don't think he's hitting balls, but he's in a hitting program. And Jordan Baston said it's not any kind of structured anything. He's just kind of swinging when he can. I've seen him in the field in a couple pictures, and. I'm pretty excited about him coming back. I don't know. Do you think they're rushing him, or is it all just according to plan? I, I like the idea of this swinging program. I imagine him just like walking around <laughs> and occasionally just like seeing that <laughs> on the ground and picking up. Like, yeah, I got a couple <laughs> cuts in me, just swinging at nothing, and then putting the bat down. And <laughs> yep, feels good. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I, it doesn't feel like they're rushing him. Um, I think rushing him would certainly be the worst thing. Uh, Whenever they feel like he's ready, if someone said, but if you wait an extra week, we'll be positive he's he's <laughs> totally ready, I'd wait that extra week. Yeah. Um, but everything we're hearing now, I've gone from like, all right, as long as he's back by like the middle of the May, of middle of May, that'd be fine. And now it's more like, oh, kind of nice if he was back by the, the end of April. The schedule's really light in April, too. There's a lot of days off. I think the Indians only play 23 games or something like that in April. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, so I think it's it's worth waiting to make sure they really feel like everything's fine. I'd rather have him back at 100% than come back and three weeks later tweak something because it wasn't fully recovered. Yeah, and it feels like they're almost being defensive with this timeline because when that Peter Gaiman's thing happened, I'll admit I was on the bandwagon of the Indians just don't want to tell anybody he's more injured than he is. And so I think now they're kind of catching up to telling everybody that he's going to be back on time and showing that here he's hitting, he's fine. So it's not them rushing him along, it's just continuing to reassure everybody that he's going to be back when he's supposed right. to be back. Yeah, I wonder, I mean, I guess the best case scenario is you're just 100% accurate with your assessment. If you're wrong, if you say they're going to be back soon, everyone's relieved, but then if you're wrong, everyone's extra mad. Whereas if you say they're going to be back and they come back sooner, it's like a really pleasant surprise, but people are frantic all off-season. And yeah, that was part of my little mini conspiracy I had there for like a day, was that they wouldn't want to let anybody know that he won't be back until August and September, because that kills a whole bunch of their leverage for this offseason. But they didn't do any outfielder trades or anything anyway, so there would have been no reason for that. And yeah, whenever he's back, I don't think they did enough to fill in for when he's gone, so it's going to be rough while he's out. But I think once he's back, because he's going to be, it's baseball activity in five to six months. So that means we hope he's doing something baseball-related in mid-May. So maybe by the end of May, he'll be back. He's swinging fully. that bat every <laughs> Just picking up a bat, swinging, walking a few feet, and then, you know, 
working it. So that's more, really, I mean, really, that's what baseball is. You pick up a bat every <laughs> once in a while, swing it a couple times, put it down, and come back later. So it sounds to me like he's ready to go. <laughs> that's baseball activity to me. I don't know. And then so more spring training. We're there. It's finally happened. Started yesterday. I think yesterday was just pitchers and catchers. Tomorrow is either full squad, I think. Yeah, but it's really funny. I feel like the, the report date is nonsense now. There's probably like a couple guys who are enjoying their vacation, but it feels like most of the team is there even before pitchers and catchers report date. Like those dates are just like arbitrary. You guys oh, yeah. are going to be here whenever. And I guess I don't blame them. Like whatever you're doing, is it more fun than like hanging out with all of your friends in Arizona in the spring? Like if you live in the Cleveland area, it's like, oh, what do I want to do with my February? Do I want to hang out here? Or maybe do I want to go down to the desert and goof around with the guys? <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's more of, it's meant as a deadline. Like they have to be there by that date. That's what I've always taken report dates as in, baseball, in any sport is they have to be it there. It just by feels those. like more and more people are showing up early. I feel like you read reports of – and like people are staying in shape in the offseason and that's not anything new. But I feel like you read reports about like – you know, back in like the 50s and 60s and guys showed up like 40 pounds overweight. <laughs> you know, they were like bartending during the offseason to make ends meet and got really fat and like actually <laughs> had to use spring training to, to get in some semblance of shape. And yeah. now these guys are working out year-round. But yeah, you're right. I'm sure it's a deadline, but then there's so much pressure not to be the guy showing up at the deadline. Oh yeah, because they if you're following Indian stuff now, they're constantly taking pictures of who's there and who's not. And if you're not there, it's gonna show up that you were one of the last people to show up. <laughs> and I bet you people like Carlos Santana. I bet you I don't see him oh, anywhere. Geez. Is he anywhere? <laughs> Dan no. Santana, you're the worst. <laughs> He's probably slacking off somewhere, not hitting home runs. But yeah, it's really talking about the off season, the best thing about the off season is that it's ending, and now yeah. we're we're getting close to like goofy, fake, not quite real baseball, <laughs> but sort of baseball. Yep. And then a few weeks after that, we get the real baseball. So yeah. I, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right now, the best sound is just people talking in front of a bunch of baseballs hitting gloves in the background. <laughs> it's the greatest sound ever right now. And it's close. Spring training, what, starts March 1st? March, yeah. right at the beginning, so we're almost there. Yep. Two weeks from now, there will be goofy games where guys play three innings and then someone who's never going to play in the major leagues takes their spot. <laughs> who's that going to be on the Indians? I can't think of. I guess uh, it's person. Be someone. Beginning of camp, there's like 43 guys going yeah. to squad games. I feel like fans, you can, you know, if you're a season ticket holder, there's a good chance they're going to let you play a couple innings. <laughs> Just because they're running out of room. So, yeah, do you like those spring training jerseys, by the way? Never I do. I feel those. like I, I like that every year they do, you know, at least a little different. Because, mm-hmm. um, I mean, it's spring training, so who really cares? So you might as well try something out. And every once in a while they land on something really cool. Um, so, yeah, I like the looks of them. Um, you'll edit this part out because I can't remember who. But someone I remember looking at someone had like all 30 teams. And there were a couple of teams. It was like, you should maybe just make that your normal jersey. Yeah, yeah. They they all look really. I love the. Do you notice on the numbers they have little pictures of um, just like random stuff from the city the spring training's in. Yeah. Like I love that they do that for every city. Like have a and that would be one. really cool on the actual jersey because then instead yeah. of random stuff from Goodyear, Arizona, <laughs> stuff from Cleveland. Right. Exactly. I'm sure that would jack up the price just insane, but look cool. You know, at least we don't have the hats of the Tigers. Those bright orange yeah. abominations. We just have to live with those red hats every year, which I hate. <laughs> so the spring training, best thing about it, I guess, is position battles. We talked about the bullpen a lot already. 
So for the ones that are going to have it locked down, my estimation is Cody Allen, Brian Shaw, Zach McAllister, and Jeff Manship. Maybe, who was the last one I had in mind? There's one more. Sean Armstrong. Maybe him. I don't know if he's going to have to compete for not. But other than those four, there's going to be some 12 people competing out just for those three or four spots, depending on how big of a bullpen Terry Francona wants. Who do you think has the best chance of getting one of those spots right now? God, I don't even know. Um, that's I mean, we'll include Joba Chamberlain right away because he's going to get one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like my answer to who I want is literally anyone but Joba Chamberlain. <laughs> Just for I Joe Thacker. I really Thanks. strongly don't ever want to see him in an Indian uniform. <laughs> and just to sidetrack the conversation, I feel like that's reasonable. Like oh, we all get the sports <laughs> – for sort of silly reasons. And so the fact that someone played for a team that I can't stand and was prominently featured in probably the Indians game of the last 10 years, um, I think it's totally reasonable to never want to have to sort of cheer for that guy. And then he insulted Cleveland afterwards. Yeah. Just because he got a little bug in his face. Get over it. Like, I guess I couldn't be a good GM because I'd be like, no, not that guy. I don't know. <laughs> I realize he's willing to play for $1. I want nothing to do with him. <laughs> Excuse me, did he play with the Yankees before? I don't want him. I don't want him to do him. <laughs> no, you can have our old cast-offs. We don't want <laughs> yours. <laughs> well, they kind of are. They got, um, I already forgot his name, and I was just saying I like him. Kirby Yates. They got our cast-off Kirby Yates. <laughs> <laughs> so they can have him. We'll take Joba, and then we'll never use Joba. Uh, but yeah, in terms of guys who like could actually be there... Um, I don't know. Is there is there anyone who jumps out at you? I mean, you named the guys you kind of think are locks. Do you have guys in mind you feel like are, are the best bets or that you particularly want to see? Well, the two I would guess since they're paying them anyway that make it eventually would be Hunter and Stamen. I think Stamen's right. good anyway. I want him to be. And I don't know. Hunter would work too if he's back. Which I don't know if you saw, but the Yankees almost signed him for $12 million earlier this offseason. Yeah. Yeah. So that's going to be a huge deal if he comes back from that core injury. Yep. But yeah, those two... And then I think Sean Armstrong, I included him in the ones that are going to compete, but I think he'll make it out because he's going to be the one of the ones that I think is going to allow the Indians, if they want, to trade Cody Allen sometime. So I'm sure he'll probably make it. Joe Thatcher, Tom Gorzolani, I don't think. Not that exciting. Kyle Crockett, maybe, for the lefty. Yeah. Which, wow, when you look at it, they don't have a whole lot of lefties. It's just and he's Crockett. still really young. It's, yeah. you know, he, he's been on the team for parts of the last couple of years. Uh and last year didn't do particularly well. But, yeah, a young lefty, I think that, you know, you don't want to bet against someone like that. Yeah, it looks like he's 12. <laughs> <laughs> looks even younger than he is. Yeah, he was – it wasn't that great last year, but, I mean, he just no, didn't need 2014, he put up good numbers in uh, a pretty small sample. Last year, he wasn't even on the team that much and didn't do yeah, especially 17 well. Yeah, 17 He's going to be in Ohio – he's going to be in Cleveland at some point this, this season. Oh, of course. I just hope he gets a lot of work at some point because – are any of those free agents left? I think one or two is. I don't remember who exactly. Of those free agents they signed for lefty relievers. There isn't that many, considering that's what they needed in the bullpen. Right. I think maybe Thatcher is. That's about it. Yeah. but so, And so another reason Crockett seems like right. yeah. a pretty good option. Uh, Giovanni Soto is another lefty who spent a few days with the Indians last year. So I guess potentially he'd be in the mix. Yeah, that's just... yeah. <laughs> that kind of goes along with it's fine, I guess. Yeah, I mean, but like, in, again, like sixth, seventh, or in Francona's case, eighth, ninth, and tenth guys in the bullpen. <laughs> it's just, it, it's hard for me to muster up too much enthusiasm for any of the guys at that point. Right. So then the more exciting conversation will be 
fifth, maybe fourth starter who's going to get it, I guess, because you can... So if we're getting the starting pitches now, we have obviously Kluber, Carrasco, Salazar. Do we still count Bauer as a lock at this point? Or is he going to have to compete now? Uh, I guess I think he's pretty close to a lock. I, I guess in, he's technically competing, but I think he'd have to be... He's going to be on the team, and I think he'd have to be a complete mess in spring training to not be on the spot. I, I'm willing to put him in pretty heavy pencil, yeah. if not ink. I mean, that's not bad if you're going into spring training with four that you know are going to be yeah. lots and competing in one spot. And I think a lot of people forget Danny Salazar had a great year this year, but just this time last year, nobody seemed to know. He was all over the place. He didn't even start in the majors. He was kind of like Trevor Bauer is now, but... Without quite the track, or with more of a track record than Bauer has. Right. So I'm hoping, because he could be taking, Trevor Bauer could be taking the Carlos Carrasco route to the majors, going to the bullpen for a couple months, and then coming up and going back, so who knows. But I'm hoping he's a lock, so then the fifth, we're going to have at least Cody Anderson and Josh Tomlin competing, I'm sure. And then maybe TJ House. Yep. And Adam Plutko's going to be there, but I'm sure he's not actually a decision. So it's really just those three, right? House, uh, yeah, I, I think Anderson so. and Tomlin. That's yeah. really not a bad three to try to squeeze into one spot either. No, it's not. I mean, and you need more than five, of course. And, you know, those guys are fine. Whichever two aren't in the rotation are fine as your sixth and seventh waiting in Columbus. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, House in 2014 was, I think, much better than almost anyone expected. And then last year's season got derailed by injuries. Um, he's a lefty, which... Again, a lot of people like having the lefty. Mm -hmm. Uh, Josh Tomlin, I think, has been the source of a lot of arguing among (laughs) Indians fans over the years uh, in terms of him. Is he garbage or isn't he? Uh, And then last year, boy, did he ever put things together once he came up. Um, Mm -hmm. He doesn't walk anyone, and it feels like something clicked. You know, he's not like a strikeout stud, Mm-hmm. Um, but the last couple of years, his strikeout rate's gone up pretty high. I feel like if I had to pick one of those three without letting spring training play out at all, Tomlin would is probably who I would pick. Yeah, I mean, he's not a bad one to win it. The thing that come with him, it comes down to basically when people hit the ball, does it go out of the park or is it a fly ball? Because <laughs> he gives up so many home runs. And I mean, last year he left. So like Cody Anderson, he probably looks a little better than what he actually was because last year he left 90% of runners on base. He had... Under He had a 199 bat pip, so I mean, I don't want to just say he was lucky, but maybe a little bit, considering how many home runs he gives up as well. Yeah, I think that's that's fair. I mean, like you said, he doesn't walk anybody, so it's either strikeout, hopefully a ground out, or it's out of the park. <laughs> I think he's going to, I don't think Anderson, I like him, but I don't know if, he wasn't as good as he looked last year, and I think it's either going to be, like you said, Tomlin or House is going to be the big two that are going to compete. Yeah, that's my sense. I feel like House and Anderson are more exciting to people because they're young and like still feel a little prospecty. But neither of them was ever like really a big prospect. I feel like just because you're young doesn't necessarily mean. So I feel like it, for most fans, there's a lot more enthusiasm for one of those two, like a young guy, another young guy for this rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Josh Tomlin would be like the crafty veteran because he's <laughs> a whopping 31 years old. <laughs> Um, we'll see. I, I think you know that's certainly something to watch. I think 
I think managers probably usually have a pretty good idea of, of what their lineup and rotation is going to be like going into spring. I mean, there's a lot of talk about, oh, you know, we're going to see how they look. I think usually stuff's pretty well worked out. But I do think the fifth spot for the Indians this year is one of those legitimate, like, no, we're going to see what happens this no, this month. Yeah. Because, I mean, last year they all got – well, except for House. I guess just Tomlin and Anderson got plenty of time, but they were just switching back and forth. So right. you got to see them a lot, but one of them is going to have to stick it out right away. And, wow, I did not realize I forgot that House is the younger one. For some reason, I when I see Tomlin, I think he's younger. I have no idea why. And I always think House is older. <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> No, Josh Tomlin's an old man. I'm just... <laughs> so any other? Because nobody's going to compete in third base, really. I guess what, with what we have, well, um, unless you get your wish and the Indians, yeah. <laughs> my big wish, you guys. Because other than Maybe that, it's what Urshela. Rem- <laughs> yeah, we're just going to sign all of the third basemen <laughs> every Next single week. Every third baseman is playing a different position every inning. We're just going to rotate you guys around like that. It's going to be like JV tryouts at your high school, and we're just going to see what happens. And we'll try not to cry while we watch it happen. <laughs> and I think it, outside of that scenario, I think it's just what Urshela and Diaz, and that's it. So it's Urshela. Yeah. I got yeah. It's I mean, if they don't bring someone else in, I can't see anything else. I've seen someone was like, oh. I can't even remember which which Let's Go Try post it was, but somehow someone was like talking about what should happen, and they were like, "And Carlos Santana should play first base once a week, DH three times a week, and then he could play third base like two or three." Oh seconds. no, no, no! <laughs> no. We love Santana. No, we're yelling no. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, or like, oh, Lonnie Chisenhall. It's like, no, just stop. I, he's young. It's going to be Ursela unless they bring someone else in. I don't see anyone else who's under contract right now. Again, unless he completely bombs in spring training. I feel like as shaky as he is, he's got a pretty good grip on the position for opening day. Oh, of course. If they don't say anybody else, there's, who else would it be? Jose Ramirez, maybe? Right. And so I, I feel like the you know seeing how the various outfield options shake out is really the position player thing to, to watch. Yeah, which is going to be... That's similar to the bullpen. It's just a bunch of people being thrown against the wall and seeing who sticks at this point. Well, and it's like Lonnie Chisenhall, his defense, which I still don't know what to make of it. I mean, the defensive <laughs> metrics would tell you that he was like Roberto Clemente out there the last time. <laughs> I mean, he looked really good, too. Yeah, and I, I get, you're right. It, not just the metrics. I mean, he looked right. good by the eye test, too. It's just so bizarre that he played the outfield for like six weeks before he came up. It's just weird to think of someone picking up a position that well. Isn't it supposed to be hard? Oh, you're just waiting for the collapse to happen after. <laughs> right. And, yeah. and his batting for his entire career has been, like, I can't think of a streakier Indians hitter in the last, you know, 30 years I've been a baseball fan. Yeah. Uh, maybe I don't remember Corey Snyder's streaks as well <laughs> as I should. But so it's like you can talk yourself into Lonnie being a plus plus defensive outfielder who, boy, when he's hitting, like suddenly you're talking about is he the new Alex Gordon? Um, or if the defense falls apart and his bat is the worst end of what we've seen the last two or three years, it's like he should not be in a major league roster. So you have this huge range of possibilities for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and while the range isn't quite as wide, Abraham Almonte too, pretty mediocre before he came to the Indians. And then he showed up and suddenly was kind of not great at anything, but above average at everything. So it's like if, if they both play to the high end of what they could be, then suddenly Michael Brantley comes back and it's like, oh wait, we have a really good outfield all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the idea that two-thirds of the outfield could just suddenly bottom out is kind of terrifying. Yes. Like in the yeah. first month, we could have two 
we could have an awful Amante, an awful Chisholm Hall, and whatever disaster we have in left field before Brantley comes back. Yes, which is and just then Urshela, who even if he pans out, probably isn't going to hit a ton this year. Mm. Suddenly, like your six through nine hitters are just like a wasteland. <laughs> oh, that's going to be bad. <laughs> but but they could be really good. It's just oh. <laughs> I, I sure. feel like most fans would prefer certainty, unless it's like the prospect who you don't know when they're going to come up and stuff. But I feel like beyond that, fans just want to know what they're going to get from guys. And there's none of that right now. But I guess when you're the Indians, you don't have a ton of money to play around with. That's what you kind of have to shoot for. You have to hope that you're going to get the good end of your Almontes and your Chisholm Halls and not the bad end. Yes. And they kind of signed, kind of hedging that they're going to get the, at least half of a good one with, I completely forgot the name, Cowgill, who's going to platoon with probably, I mean, everybody, right? Chisholm Hall and Almonte. He is their platoon partner. So he's kind of yeah. hoping they can at least hit against righties, and then Calgill will come in to clean up the rest. And this all comes back to what we were saying earlier, that like pretty much every team has some question marks. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you start to look at things that are not just obsessing about their own favorite team, but are looking at all of the teams, like the projections, <laughs> and suddenly, lo and behold, the Indians are in first place in most of the projections, and Pakoda, they're winning the AL Central by 10 games. <laughs> Was that the best segue I've ever just heard, Jason? Because now we're going to talk about the projections. It's a nominee. <laughs> it's up there. So, yeah, Pakoda, holy cow. They like the Indians just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, just a little. Best record in the American League. Just, I mean, they're running kind away of fans. with the division. <laughs> and even fan graphs. It wasn't quite as drastic, but they liked them too. So, what it comes down to is the projection systems do not care that the Indians were all injured last year. They just know that. Every single player is not going to slump. They, they hope that every player is not going to slump the way they did last year at the same time. And then when you throw in the surefire pitching staff, on paper, that has to equal a whole bunch of wins. Hopefully yeah. <laughs> and again, like you look at your team in a vacuum and you worry about everything that's wrong. You're not seeing what's wrong with the other teams. And so these projection systems, which have a huge margin of error, oh. but you know they're, they're playing out this season literally thousands of times and coming up with, you know, the most likely outcomes and the Indians starting rotation should be at worst, very you know, good. one of the three best in the American league. And at best could be the best in baseball. Mm-hmm. Um, the bullpen looks solid. Jan Gomes is a really good catcher who had a down season last year, but part of that at least had to be injury. Um, Carlos Santana, I think is going to bounce back. Jason Kipnis is really good. Francisco Lindor is awesome. Uh, Michael Brantley, if he doesn't miss that much time, is awesome. Uh, and there's, there's more good players on the Indians than there are on most teams. And so the fact that there's some question marks, too, it's like, all right, but that's more than balanced out by having you know, seven or eight legitimately very good players in the lineup in the rotation. And I don't know how they, how they would project it with defense, but they have the Indians on their fielding run... And above average? Yes. That one, the baseball prospectus one. They have that. The Indians are at 37.2, which, I mean, comparatively, the White Sox, who are second in the AL Central, they have negative 27. And, I mean, the, the only AL team above the Indians, according to Pakoda, is the Tampa Bay Rays at 57. Right. So, I mean, they think the defense is going to carry it. Because they even have the Indians, even assuming with that whole bounce back, the offense is still pretty terrible, according to Pakoda, what they're going to do. As a team, 257 average, 322 on base. 406 lugging, nothing all that great, but they think the pitching and defense is going to just win 
out everything. And they don't think any of the other offenses in the AL Central are going to be any good either. So the Indians' offense projects as like average to a little below average, but it doesn't so matter. Sort of the Royals <laughs> and the Tigers and the yeah. White. And again, you don't have to be the best at everything. You have to win more games than the teams in your division. And if no one in the division has a good offense and the Indians have the best rotation, then I'm, like it's sort of a natural conclusion that oh, maybe they're <laughs> going to be the best team. Yeah. That's just kind of the way it goes. And I mean, the Royals, I like seeing last place Royals. That's fun. The Twins <laughs> above the Royals. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure that won't happen. I find it humorous to see the Royals in last. I also find it mildly terrifying because <laughs> all the projection systems had them being good, bad last year too. And then suddenly they won the World Series. Um, I do feel like, and I think the people who you know program or create the formulas for these projection systems who agree, like... They're not perfect. There's things that they're missing. Um, and I do feel like they're missing something with the Royals. But I also don't think you just like throw out the projection and go, ah, oh, they don't know anything and, and pick the Royals to win 20 more games than the projection systems have them for. Yeah, of course. It's just a baseline. It's, I mean, you still got to play the games, unfortunately, because that means the Indians won't just automatically win a division. But they <laughs> have to do it. to play the season on a spreadsheet. But we <laughs> act in the commissioner yet. <laughs> Soon. Um, do you have anything else with projections that you wanted to talk no, about? I mean, I think they're one of those things. I feel like like the world or America, at least, it's so much like everyone has just dug in their heels on what they think mm-hmm. and really has no interest in anything that's saying otherwise. So I feel like so many people, no matter what the projections say, are going to be like, oh, they're never, you know, this team did this and they were way off by 10 games last year and they're going to refuse to acknowledge that there's any validity to these projections. And then other people go the other way and are going to defend the projections with their dying breath, despite the fact that they're sometimes way off. Oh, Um, like most things, like the healthiest way to view them is like the happy medium, a big margin of error. I think a standard deviation is something like six or seven wins. Mm -hmm. Um, so again, for the Indians to be projected to win like 92 games by Pakoda and 85 games, or I think it is by Fangraphs, like that's a seven-game split right there. It shouldn't be at all a surprise if they win anywhere from like 82 to 92 games, um, and it shouldn't be a surprise if the Royals win anywhere from you know, it's it's a range. But to me, the fact that the Indians' range has a higher middle point than the rest of the division is a really good sign. So I think that's it for this little reboot of Let's Talk Tribe. We will hopefully be back next week, assuming nothing catastrophic happens. I, next we week it'll... I hope we don't get canceled. <laughs> we probably will. I mean, you never know. We did talk bad about the Royals, so that means we're going to get canceled. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, hopefully next week it'll probably be just us two. I don't think we've contacted anybody for guests yet, have we? I... No, not yet. No? Get a couple under our belts, just the two of us, and then we can, we can bring someone else to join in the fun. Yep. Okay. So I think that's it. We'll talk next week. Here's the exit music. I'm going to edit in later. (laughs) It wasn't even close, Chase. (laughs) Don't you know the exit music yet?